0: Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. We are here today to lay to rest this amazing 2018 World Cup and all the fun that it's been. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host, he still can't stop humming, September by Earth, Wind & Fire, it's Chuck Bailey. Oh
1: my god, a fucking, <laughs> someone needs to explain to me why. I still have had no answers. I've asked so many people like why September. I don't yeah, know. E-
0: every match. Da-da-na. Da-da-na. Like over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah, every fucking
1: just, match. Just a mixture between that and that bloody Atomic Kitten song for Gareth Southgate and the great escape. You know, I'm actually quite glad the World Cup's over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted this out from the account, but I was at a cafe the other day getting breakfast and uh September by Earth, Wind & Fire came on and I just started like shaking and crying and I was, had no idea why. And then I remembered the goddamn toot horn from the whole World Cup. Um, with us on the other line, as always, is super producer. He's the one that does all the hard work and makes us sound great. Ian Stimson. How are we doing? You know, kind of aimless. I have no uh, no purpose in life now that this World Cup is done.
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys are younger than me, so maybe not. But have you ever had such a disappointing semi? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh. Uh, uh, not yet, not yet. Although I did just turn thirty,
2: so it can't be too far away.
1: Uh, get yourself some blueies, mate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, in case you didn't know, what Ian is obviously referencing is England.
2: erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real
1: problem, guys. Yeah. Uh, links links with the World Cup again. You know it works. Pele. Pele. Famous. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I always forget that he advertised for that. In case you didn't know, what Ian is obviously referring to is in England getting knocked out of the World Cup at the semifinal stage. So I guess, natural place to start off with you gentlemen. How do we feel about England getting knocked out at the semis? Is that a success for you? Is that a disappointment, a bit of both? What's your, what's your big takeaway for England from this World Cup?
1: Um, I think you can't, it can't be negative. I don't care what anyone says still. Um, as much as I argued with you um, at one point on the pod, Oscar, about like the the correct bracket and the correct branch to be on um, for the best chance, I don't I don't think you can still see it as a negative that this was the best chance you ever ever going to have. Like of what, like winning the thing? Like you still have to beat France, who can arguably be one of the best teams in the tournament. And well, there you go, won it. So I think you know it it was strange when it. When everything happened, like when the early goal went in for England, I didn't feel too much joy because there's a lot of times where we've scored the first goal and it was an early goal and we've gone out in tournaments. I think like five or six times that we scored a goal before the 20th minute and then been knocked out in that game. Um, so I didn't really feel too much joy and then Perisic got a good goal and then Mandzukic at the end it was kind of like ah there you go it's over but it was a really weird feeling like watching the the montages afterwards and seeing the players and just thinking like you know seeing England go out but having this kind of feeling of hope and and pride and and almost happiness not obviously that England went out but just like fuck me no one would have ever predicted um, and none of us sure did that England (laughs) would get to the semi-final um, before this tournament
0: yeah, I mean, I had them going out at the group stage, so pretty well overperformed that expectation on my part, at least. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: we'll, we'll go into our terrible, terrible addiction. Yeah, yeah we'll save
0: that for part two. Um, we'll get more into the actual specifics of the semifinal itself. But Ian, how do you feel about England's run as a whole now that we've had a bit of time to process it and sort of come down from the highs and the lows of the matches themselves?
2: Yeah, well, as Chuck said, I mean, you offer, you offer us a semifinal place before and we're biting your hand off. Uh, we're definitely taking that. So it's nice as well to sort of have the end of a World Cup and not be talking about sacking an England manager as well. We can have a modicum of pride in how things went. And Gareth Southgate seems like he's more tactically astute than previous managers. There's still maybe a few issues, but it's, it, it was uh, it was a good performance. And um, it wasn't four four two. And it's yeah, it was good to see.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. Obviously, there was you know people still have the valid concerns about England from open play and breaking down teams. Yeah. And, and in that semi-final, they didn't really push or look good at any point, apart from very early on.
2: Yeah. So there's still issues, definitely. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's nice to know, you know, in this, you look at the World Cup as a whole, it was close to 50% of all goals was scored from set pieces.
3: Yeah. So, mm. I
1: mean, England do buck the trend a little bit by being over that, but you still, the set pieces are incredibly important. Now, I think if that means that Southgate has that as one part of the game to build on, or the next part of it, you build on how to break down teams, and that's what you can concentrate on for the next tournament. Um, And it means that you've kind of got two plans. You know, you can hit people on the break and and learn how to break down an open play. However, if that's not working, and you can get into those positions where players can win fouls, um, and play a certain way as we were doing to get at some of the set pieces, and, and Harry Kane was playing very, very well in that way with his hold-up play and um, letting himself be taken down for the for the good of the team. Then it's good to see that w- we can have a bit of versatility of it and not just a plan A. And if that fails, well, then fuck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would I would absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, you guys talking about Gareth Southgate being more technically astute and having a manager who's finally not getting sacked right after the World Cup. I, for me, he was the best manager in the entire thing. Um As much as uh, Roberto Martinez had a couple of sort of surprising performances, as a whole, England looked really well drilled, and I think that Southgate really got the most out of his squad and the players mm-hmm. available. Um, You know, we did say from the preview pod all the way through the last one that, like, open play was going to be their issue. Um given the personnel that they had. You know, I, I talked a lot about in the preview pod the lack of a central midfield and, like, a really creative force there and what are they going to do to try to circumvent that. Um And and it, it did play out largely that way, where they weren't able to create what we wanted, hopefully, from them in open play. Um But the more impressive part to me is that Gareth Southgate kind of saw that, saw that he didn't have the personnel for that going in and set up his team in such a way to really maximize... Their ability and the things that they are good at to get them to go far. And I don't, I don't think it was a fluke in any way, really, that they made the semifinal. You know, they were strategic about which side of the bracket they ended up on, and they were strategic about like not overexerting themselves playing Sweden or, or whatever else you might want to talk about. They knew that open play was going to be hard for them, and they just basically like worked around that fundamental issue in the available players that they had and were able to you know, make a deep run that was deserved. And um when inevitably, or maybe not inevitably, but when the, the set pieces did dry up, which we did see in the semifinal against Croatia, that was when they, you know, finally got knocked out. But that they rode their ability from set pieces so deep, I think is a real testament to Southgate. and And to me, looking from the outside in, I would want him around and I would want this core of players around for a very long time. And just hope that, you know, Loftus Cheek or some other young player makes their way through a creative central midfield position and sort of gives them that more vertical option for passing. Um, and I would be very hopeful going into 2022 if I was an England fan. I think they have a really good team. Um, they're all pretty young. I think they were like the third youngest squad at the World Cup. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and there's a lot there to take away to be proud of and to be super. I don't know even grateful for, because I think for a whole generation of England fans, they've never had anything to be this enthusiastic about
1: yeah, yeah, well, you said in the last one, you know in in my lifetime, it was euro ninety six and that's it, yeah so it's it, it's definitely you know you have to be the other side of thirty really to appreciate the fact that England have done something in the past and and until now you've never really had anything to shout about so. You know, it's it is very, very good and, and having such a young squad, um, a young enthusiastic manager who understands what it is to be in, in their positions, you know, Christ, the the, the suffering he he had and, and had to go through after like missing penalties and stuff. Mm. To the point where Oscar, I don't know if you know this, but he was featured on like Pizza Hut adverts here. Um and, no, and they actually that. made made jokes about hitting the post in it. I think he goes to walk out like he throws his rubbish in a bin and it goes in, and then he walk He turns around to say something to Stuart Pearce or whatever, and <laughs> smacks into like a lamppost, and he goes like, "Oh, he's in the post again!" And so like all of that <laughs> That's kind of really stuff. Fucked up. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and and so like needed that kind of catharsis, and you and you can see that with, you know. Fuck, I've watched back the celebrations and things from that penalty shootout uh, many times. And I will dine out and masturbate over that for years to come. Um, it's so easy. Oh, don't need to worry about a disappointing semi with that. But um, overall, I, I think it's been absolutely phenomenal. And for such a young team, the star, star some of the star players of which were uh, Maguire and Pickford, who... I think they, I can't remember which way round it is, but after the tournament, they're on 10 and 13 appearances for England, 10 or 13 caps, and seven of them come from that tournament.
0: It's amazing. Uh, What was the mood like on the ground the day after? Like, was it somber? Were people just talking about, oh, the boys did so well, we should just be happy? Like, what was your experience of the sort of mourning period?
1: Slightly disappointed and and thinking that, that, you know, this was a good chance, but I don't. I don't think you can be.
2: There was no injustice to it this time either, was it? It was sort of no. you know, Croatia played played better, and they they deserved it. And so it yeah. was sort of like you say, we'd got as far as we'd got. We deserved to go out when we went out. It was you know, it was sort of fair enough. Amazing, we got as far as we did. So that that was the feeling I sort of uh, seemed to get. Yeah, from and the it one, it, like, so. it
1: didn't happen against a, a nothing team like it happened against a great hmm. team who. You know, I I think deserve to get to a final in in the the same kind of way as England did. You know, they rode their luck and they got onto a good side of the bracket and they got very fortunate. You know, you know if if Russia don't knock out Spain, then it could be a completely different story. Yeah. Um, So I think if you compare it to years gone by, where it has been sort of penalty shootouts or you know against Iceland or because we've gone down to ten men. Or, or whatever.
0: The Lampard disallowed goal. That, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um Still you know, hurts it, that one to hear it, doesn't it? Actually? It does. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, I was in this bar in Italy surrounded by German school kids during that game. <laughs> oh, the only God. English person there. It was fucking shit. Uh, the <laughs>
2: second yeah. you said it, Oscar, that just took me back. I was yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <That's
0: right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He ends up in flashbacks over there. How'd <laughs> yeah. your uh, How'd your boy take it? Because I know we were talking about how he was super enthusiastic oh, yeah. about the penalties, and he wasn't cynical enough. Like, did it well, yeah. crush well, it his was, little It soul was or... already.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's only eight, so it was already pretty late for him to be up. And uh, yeah, he went very quiet and went to bed, sort of very, oh. very quiet, very sort of quiet, and I was a, a touch worried about him. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was all right. I think he, I think we'd prepped him that there was a. a you know, a good chance that uh, it wasn't going to go any further, and that we had done well. So, yeah. but now he's 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 been infected by the the
1: World Cup. It's been really good, really it, good. It is definitely good preparation for life, having to having to follow England, <laughs> having yeah, to be definitely. English. It's like, look, don't get too enthusiastic. It's all going to go to <laughs> shit at some point. And so, I think your boy is very well prepared for life ahead of him.
0: Yeah. Although you can't yeah. underestimate the effect of an experience like that at a formative age
1: None. that it has on an entire
0: generation of fans. I mean, if you think about people my age, I was six when the World Cup happened in the U.S. and then the MLS mm-hmm. got founded. And I don't actually know that many MLS fans. I think more people seem to watch MLS over there than they do here. Um, but in America, for people age 40 and under... Soccer and specifically the Premier League and La Liga are the most, second most watched sport behind the NFL. And so, like, it's actually beating out basketball, it's beating out baseball, which is like America's classic sport, quote unquote. It beats out hockey. More people watch the Premier League on your average weekend in the United States than they do in England because we have all the TV access and so many people. But it's still like, it's massively popular over here. And I, and there's a very much a generational divide between like, American sports fans who are 40 and older who are like, What is this soccer bullshit? That's that some foreigner <laughs> sport and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you guys have yeah, come yeah. across that. Certainly, mm-hmm. I deal with that shit here a lot. And then people below 40 who are like, just casually referencing, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo at lunch on like a regular day be like, Hey, yeah, did yeah. you,
2: you see he signed for Juventus? And I'm like, And you think there's a direct line between that and USA 94?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, you can definitely trace it. And I think you're right. I think something like this, you know, you look at you look at something like the, the Olympics had for in, uh, for Britain in general when it was held over here. You look at this France team. Well, 20 years ago, look what happened. France, in right. France, won the World Cup. So it's no real surprise, really, if you look at it, that 20 years later, kind of a generation later, those people who would have been inspired by those kind of things have come together and won it again. And it's not just the fact that, you know, one person who who also played in it, who is now the third manager, I think, to have won the World Cup as yeah, a player yeah, and a manager. Right. Um to see that it, it really does galvanize people and, and push them on and create this a uh, kind of a golden generation, that's how you get it. I've got <laughs> I've got a very good friend of mine who, who grew up in Paris and he's he's not a football fan whatsoever. Like hates it. And he remembers in nineteen ninety eight just Loving the sport because he walked down, he walked down the street, and then you'd see like groups of people from all different countries just getting together and playing like a pickup game of football. And it would be like all across the suburbs, and everyone was happy and everything. And it's so, so that kind of thing and that kind of environment and those feelings can really drive people on. So I'm not surprised at all by what you said about about USA and and how um, the the age divide there with with uh, football or soccer. Yeah, whatever. Um, and and the fact that twenty years on from France ninety eight, France win the the World Cup again.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, even on like a smaller scale, every four years, you know, I'll I'll have a handful of people who are like, "Hey, I really enjoyed this World Cup thing. I want to start watching the Premier League. What should I watch? What teams should I care about? Etc. Etc." And I'm because I'm kind of the go to guy for a lot of my friends uh-huh. and people that know me because I'm obviously like super obsessed with soccer. I used to you know, write, write, be a sports writer for a while. Um, Obviously, we have this podcast. And, and just generally, like, I'm always wearing Chelsea jerseys and talking about soccer in my whole life. So, like, people come to me, and every few years, I, and I already got it already this time, like, uh, just a few people who are like, hey, you know, teach me how to be a soccer fan. I have more interest. I want to be into this more than every four years, more it than
1: It seems so weird that someone would say, teach me how to be it. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, pick, oh, a, just pick a team. Like... Weird shit. Like, you know, the reason I started liking, you know, I don't follow any, any, but like I enjoy pretty much all sports, but I'd say it's only football where I really solidly follow um, a team, which is Crystal Palace. But like in the NFL, like I started liking the Pittsburgh Steelers because I bought a Madden game and then created a character and it did random team and that's where I got drafted. So I was like, oh, okay, that team. And so I picked them, and then that year they got to the Super Bowl and stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you then you just you figure out the lore, and you you figure out the history, and you figure out where they sit and the rivalries and everything. So I think that it's it. I don't think people should have anything to fear or fear like any yeah, sort of unknown. No, not at all.
0: I think just it can be a bit overwhelming. You guys grew up with it, so it's not weird to you. But structurally, it's very different from American sports. Like in terms of there's no playoffs, but the teams, especially the big teams, will be in three or four competitions at the same time. Mm -hmm. So then fans are like, wait, so do they play Barcelona or do they play against like Manchester United? I don't understand. And you have to be like, well, no, there's like four seasons happening at the same time. And one is just one long playoffs. It's just a knockout competition. And one is like a regular league. and But the winner is just the team that had the best record at the end. And like the whole three points, one point. Like there's just a few structural things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so many leagues and so many sports. Because like, yeah, sure, there's the Premier League. But then people are like, oh, what's up with like Bayern Munich? Or what's up with the italian teams like how does that work when do they play each other is that also on tv that it can be a bit overwhelming for people Mm -hmm. who are just coming in from scratch
1: yeah Um, but i mean pick it from anything like i'd say if like if we have any any people and uh, and i'd love it if people could get in touch and say like oh this year i've i've just started following the premier league and i've started supporting southampton or i've started supporting newcastle or whoever
0: don't, don't pick either of those
1: teams (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think I Um, I was literally just thinking of the furthest team south and the furthest team north I could think of. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And yeah, just pick like if you've ever been over here, pick pick a team from that place you went to, or fuck it, pick your favorite color and just pick that team, and then just get invested in them and, and see what happens. Whose jersey do you want to wear?
0: Yeah, what I what I did and what I tell a lot of my friends to do is watch one season as a sort of quote unquote neutral. And just catch as many games as you can, especially the bigger teams. Because if you're going to come in externally, it makes sense to pick one of the big six. like Just so you have more to sort of root for. Um, and then just see which one kind of speaks to you.
2: Is that what you did with Chelsea?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I After um, the 06 World Cup is when the Premier League was like really, really readily available here. And Michael Ballack, favorite player ever. Um, but Arsenal also had a couple of German players at the time. And so I was like, okay, well, those are two London teams. So if I'm going to ever go over, London will be the place to catch a game. And so I just watched, and I was actually really close to being an Arsenal fan, which, holy shit, can you imagine that?
1: Yeah, but you can say that. You say that now 12 years later, because 12 years ago, you had nothing, and you came in. So that's that's great, and then that's your story, and that's that's where you get to. And that's why I think people should just, if they just dive in with it and just pick a team, because, you know, if you, if you had just picked Arsenal, at that time, if you go back to where you were there's no real difference between arsenal and chelsea
0: oh no absolutely arsenal had just lost to barca in the champions league final i think that that year mm-hmm. and they they were a year off or two years off the invincibles um and then obviously chelsea just had set the points record this season before i started watching but the the big thing for me was michael Ballack. but yeah i always say just watch until your team picks you because you'll be you'll gravitate towards you know certain people just really like a team that can defend and hit on the counterattack. And certain people love possession play. And, like, whatever appeals to you aesthetically, pick that team and then that's your team. Like, the way Chelsea played in that era was lightning-fast counterattacks up the wing with Sean Wright-Phillips and Joe Cole crossing yeah. it in for Drogba. And I was like, yo, this is exactly the type of soccer that I love to see. <laughs> yeah, like, this you can is get my on that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Arsenal was a bit more methodical. Shit. Anyway, we are so far off <laughs> topic. <laughs> we are miles offside, you might say. Um Let's get back to the England match. So, what we're talking England Croatia. What do you think happened there?
1: It just looked like they were tired, and I think it was a case of young heads versus old heads. Croatia knew what they were doing, um, knew they could sit back for a while. It is very easy when you've got Modric, Rakitic, Perisic, and Mandzukic there—four um, incredible players um, who play for you know some of the best teams in the world—and they they just. They waited it out and they saw it. and it, it was strange how all of the hype before the game was, oh, Croatia going to be tied, Croatia going to be tied. And it was England that looked absolutely shattered by the yeah. end. I mean, Trippier literally ran himself until he just couldn't walk anymore and was yeah. crying. And so, like, the you know, 10 men towards the end. That was um, tough to see, the Trippier injury. That was horrible. Um, I think he's okay. I think it, it wasn't anything because he did he play against Belgium.
2: Trippier did play in the third-place playoff, so he must be okay. Yeah, Yeah, he
1: must be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that they Croatia just patiently waited them out. Um, Obviously, England went up early on that match, but then afterwards just completely lacked any ideas when the set piece dried up. When the set pieces dried up, they just didn't have a plan B, really, at least given the personnel that they had. They had no other way to sort of do anything. Kane kept dropping deeper and deeper and Sterling looked more and more isolated up front, and all his runs were kind of going wasted. And Croatia just patiently attacked up the wings, put in a ton of crosses because they knew they had a height advantage with Manzukic in there, and eventually scored two goals. And And I think they were pretty deserved. Looking at the Kaley Graphics XG sum, Croatia had 1.5, England had 0.7. So if you round those to the nearest whole numbers, it's exactly 2-1. Um, and I don't think there's much, like controversy the only thing i would say for england that kind of stood out and we had this conversation a bit in the group chat when they took raheem sterling off they just completely completely shot themselves in the foot they had one more shot i think in the entire match after they took him off which was a significant amount of minutes because obviously it went to extra time as well um and they created zero xg the 0.7 xg that they created was in the first half and 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 i think that was absolutely a knock-on effect of sterling being off the pitch um as good as the other players are, and as much as he was not putting chances away, which I think is a genuine knock against him at this World Cup, is he had a couple of clear one-on-one opportunities, and he didn't score any of them. But his work within the system, I think it completely changed the system when he came off, and I think that they just took the wind out of their sails. They looked tired, and it it wasn't a physical thing. It was clearly just a mental thing. Like They just were kind of broken. They just didn't look like they had any... Idea of how to go back, and I think that's part of the youth, showing itself there. But
1: yeah, I think it was more like they weren't making the right decisions. um And soon after, you know, Trippier scored that great free kick. um England had a few more chances close. I mean, Kane had that mental one where Subasic actually saves it, and you don't realize until you watch it in like super yeah. slow mo. Um, but you just think, like, how many times have you seen him just bury a ball there? And all of a sudden, th- does the occasion get to them? Does does the pressure do they suddenly think, oh shit, it's like we can go two nil you know, to go two 0 up in a semi final in the World Cup, it puts you in a very, very strong position. I just think that that maybe that is also kind of where Croatia won it out, because they knew they were gonna be more experienced. The going one nil behind didn't really matter to them because they were they were holding back and making sure it you know, they just kept England out, didn't give away the set pieces, um, didn't try and play any sort of dirty games or, or anything like that and just let England kind of run out of ideas and I think then the more experienced players you know they come to the fore and just switch on at the right moments know exactly when to to chase a ball when when they're not going to waste energy and, and then could just could just finish England off and so I don't I think it, it is as we've said like quite sad that England went out but they were they were just outplayed, as, as yeah. simple as that. They were they were outmanned um, and kind of outgunned, and and Croatia just took the chances they when they got them.
0: Yeah, especially for the winning goal, I think you could just see how uh, tired, yeah, especially mentally. Like, the, yeah. and not yeah. just Stones; the whole defense just switched off completely.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: Zukich was like, "Oh, thanks, yeah, sure, I'll put that away."
1: Yeah, yeah. and it will be there, and that's that's the difference. That, that's the difference that he would he was making sure he was there which wasn't happening with with England and the way they were playing with Kane you know it, it couldn't be Kane in the box
0: no if it was the same chance on the other side I don't know that Kane is has the wits to sort of run in there and put that away the way manzuka should he's just always ready to score like a good veteran striker I think that'll come with yeah. age for Kane but you know kind of like chicharito he only needs one half chance and he'll score a goal are you guys already buying your tickets to 2020 Euro sem- semi-final or final?
1: Well, oh, I'm thinking it about it. It is coming home, isn't it? Yeah, so that's what we just meant, lads. Uh, that's, that's all that's, that's, we were talking about. That's all we meant. <laughs> we were talking about the it's semis and the final. Uh, Jules Rimet was French. Um, <laughs> yeah. so you know yeah, We were right all along. Yeah. We were saying it was coming home, but it's coming via his home. I don't know. Stopped <laughs> off at Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it fine. It's fine. It's, it's to put it on the Eurostar. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, so let's move on to the other semifinal then. France played Belgium. I think we were all very excited about this one. And then the we said there was two versions of this match. There was either going to be the super exciting one where Belgium actually lured France out of their defensive low block and it turned into a shootout, or there was the version that we actually ended up with, which is France, as much as Roberto Martinez tried to entice them, to attack. France just sat back and then let Belgium kind of crash against like waves crashing on a seawall. They just kind of had nothing to go yep. and do. France 1-1-0. Won, won, um, I don't really think there's that much to say about this match other than France did France. They sat deep. They let Belgium sort of peg them back. Belgium tried to do a crazy weird lineup like they did against Brazil, um, even more complicated. I think this time around, we were, we spent the whole first half because there wasn't much actual soccer to talk about. Being like, are they in a three-five-two? Are they in a four-three-three with no left back? Like, what the hell is going on here? It was, <laughs> and I still haven't really. I went back and rewatched that match, and I still don't I know what exactly Belgium was trying to do in the first half, but it didn't work. France were better. They just sat deep, um, and they were kind of. Resorted pretty early on, Belgium did at least to trying to hit Fellaini with crosses, um, or have Hazard just try to do everything by himself up the left wing, because he was the only wide left player. At times it looked like he was maybe playing left wing back. And, and France knew, knew who they were, knew their strengths. And, and they won 1 0, easy victory, and it took them straight into the final. Do you have anything particularly interesting to say about France Belgium?
1: No, I think it was quite funny that you got um Courtois and Hazard afterwards saying like, oh, France played anti-football and blah, 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 and being really fucking bitter about it. And it's yeah. just, no, you know what? They knew, you can't, you can't be so arrogant as to go, oh, right, we're going to play Belgium, who are one of the most attacking sides overall of, of any of the teams in that tournament. Like, you look at that lineup and it just, it's just stars everywhere and. Fellaini and Chadley. Um <laughs> so it was. It makes perfect sense. It's like we said, you know. As much as I predicted, you know, the monster, whatever goal fest, I said it would be. I think it was four three after extra time. Um, in fact, I know it was that. Um, <laughs> you know, we we did also say that any perceivable outcome is kind of justifiable, and it makes perfect sense that once France went ahead, they just shut up shop. So. I think Belgium had to score first to get that absolute goal fest,
2: and they didn't. I, I never understand that mentality as well that sort of Courtois and Hazard came out with. Like, it doesn't matter how the other team play; it's your job to deal with it. Yes. If you, and if you didn't deal with it, then you didn't deserve to win.
0: I agree completely. I hate that shit. That's like my biggest pet peeve, especially like you know that I've been a Chelsea fan for so long, and, and hearing people in both Mourinho eras, the first one and the second one, being like, "Oh." they shouldn't win, they park the bus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, fuck you, you do what it takes to win, given the players that you have, and the yeah. strengths that they have, and you change your tactics for the other team. Like, if you, if the other team is really attacking, why would you let them attack?
1: Yeah. You
2: stop them from attacking, and then you score, like... It really is a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, so Belgium had 64% possession. Now, usually in a match, if Belgium are having 64% possession, they are smashing it. So... Yeah. You know, France did what they had to do and they they won it. I just, yeah, that, that mentality can
1: go fuck itself. I really, yeah, hate I, it. yeah. I, I don't think it matters. Like, just because a team, you know, no one criticizes, say, you know, obviously not so much now because they, you know, it's been proven and done quite well, but say, Burnley, you know, Burnley or a team that just comes up, you know, when they go up against Man City, are putting 10, 11 men behind the ball. No one criticizes them for that because they understand what the threats are of the other team. But, just because France is a team full of stars, it surely that just means that they can better negate the, the opposing team by doing that and also have that outlet to, to get the goals.
0: Yeah, I think and for me, like, as much as Belgium had the possession, they still only generated point five XG. Like that's right, really okay. that's not enough to be saying you know, it'd be one thing if the XG was like four point three to zero point eight and, yeah. and France won one zero. Then I'd be like, Oh shit, wow. But France mm-hmm. outplayed them. France outplayed them perfectly yep. they played to their strengths and and negated Belgium's strengths and you know exactly deserved the win that they got and it was disappointing to hear Hazard and Courtois both saying that given their histories and that they play for Chelsea and that they played for <laughs> yeah. Mourinho
1: and like it, 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 yeah, they, exactly. they know better. You've lived no these. You've yeah. lived these fucking tactics. Don't yeah. get pissed off because the, the tactics that have won you <laughs> titles have suddenly been used against you. Because right. all Roberto Martinez can do is just go ah uh, uh, attack. Yeah, that is, that is Roberto
0: Martinez's <laughs> only way. Uh, like I re- I remember thinking he was and how ridiculous when they won the cup with Wigan and got relegated. I was like, this guy's a madman. Yeah. He's gonna do something really fun at some point. Oh, in the a country. hero. Um, I will say, I don't disagree with Hazard and Courtois that it's disappointing for France to play as defensively as they did this entire World Cup, given the players that they have. Like, I, as a fan, yeah. wanted to see them open up and attack and just kind of go ham on a match and try to score, like, four goals, which is a perfect transition to the final because they did it, score in the final four goals. But from their perspective as the players who just got beat, that's just bitter and, and like, yeah. pathetic. Just, you lost. You, you got outplayed. Move on.
1: Right? Like, well, no, it's almost like France let Belgium play their game, but then just kept going, no, they are going to stop you again, and we're going to beat you back. Go on. And, and just like almost tempting them onto them and saying, like, come on, they will let you play. Because that's what we've said France have done a lot of the times in these tournaments. Kind of almost let the other team set the agenda and then just beaten them. Um, with the exception of that bloody Denmark game. Oh, isn't it so only annoying, nil nil. Isn't it? I know how amazing would it have been nil, if there nil. was no
0: nil nils. Uh, so good. Uh, so the final, France obviously world champions, four uh, two the final score. Croatia did pretty well to score two goals. I think given how good France are, especially defensively, um, and they overperformed their xG was only one point three, so two goals is pretty good
1: there. But then, how um, does that account for Lloris just being an absolute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how much XG do you get to that? Uh, yeah. Or do you just get like none because it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake? Yeah. I thought
2: that was quite funny him yeah. looking up at the big screen after the match and uh, being able to laugh at his mistake. And you're like, yeah, if it had gone a different way, mate.
0: Although it, it definitely cost him the Golden Glove because he was probably the best keeper in the tournament. Yeah. And then they gave it to Courtois, I think, instead, right? Oh, did they? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know he didn't get it. I'm pretty sure it was Courtois. Uh, and he absolutely would have gotten it if they kept a clean sheet or at the very least, if he didn't have that absolute blunder uh, in the final, because it'd be kind of weird to just give him an award for the best goalkeeper 15 minutes after him (laughs) doing that.
1: Look at what you've just done. Like no one could contest it. It's like this guy, you want to make this guy the best goalkeeper in the competition?
2: This guy. Scratching out the engraving.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do want to say though, as impressive as France were for the entire tournament, I think this final was one of their worst performances. Even though they scored four goals, um, the rough XG sum, get ready for this, was 0.3. Wow. Four goals out of 0.3. That, again, XG doesn't take into account penalties. Yeah, yeah. And own goals because it's based on shots. So own goal is not a shot. Uh. So, so you kind of start them at two goals. Mm. You gift them two okay, goals. Yeah. Fine. But that's still two goals created above that from 0.3. Like that is just. Spectacularly above average finishing, like just yeah, above what incredible. you would expect. Um, and for them to give up over one of XG, I think that was one of their worst defensive performances as well. Um, that or obviously the Argentina match, which was a little crazy. So for that match to finish as high scoring as it was, it was just, to me, it was more individual talent than the tactical system that France had used so well. Uh, Pagba and Mbappe just, just being, you know, being the type of superstar that allows you to wildly overperform XG. Because XG is, for the average team in that position, historically given thousands and thousands and thousands of matches of data and shots. But, like, if you are a team like Barcelona, let's say, you're gonna regularly overperform your XG because you have Lionel Messi taking that shot instead of, I don't know, Joe Mario, if you're West Ham. Or, like, whatever. Um, and so the individual talent in this match, Pogba and Mbappe specifically to me, is what allowed them to wildly, wildly overperform those numbers and then seal up the title. But they weren't that good as a whole, like collectively, to me. How did that look to you, Chuck?
1: Well, I think, you know, to go back to what you said about the scoreline, like, it's weird to have like a 4-2 final and not be like super overwhelmed by it or be like super excited or, oh, it's weird that there can be six goals in a match and I don't really feel like I missed much. Um, because of the nature of some of them, like sure for there's the Pogba and Mbappe goal, and I thought Perisic took his goal really well. But then you've got you know an own goal, which I didn't realise was the first own goal to be scored in a World Cup final. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, that was quite interesting, I thought. So you've got that, then you've got the penalty, whatever people think of with VAR coming in and and what have you, uh, for one uh, the second a second goal, and the last one being lorice and manzukic that kind of thing so really it's kind of 2-1 as a final but you know i thought pogba took his goal really really well yeah the pass
0: to start that playoff and then the finish curling yeah. around the defender was just like
1: oh yeah and super six super six just goes into like full malfunction mode like if you watch it <laughs> like he starts to take a step and then he just goes like ah oh, no and just slowly falls backwards yeah. And kind of his knees just kind of crumble, and he just lies yeah, on the he, floor. He, like. Like, he
0: did that twice, actually. He was the one that ge- genuinely showed all those extra minutes. He looked tired, he looked not fully <laughs> fit, he wasn't diving at shots. he would just kind of like he would try to cheat, and then when they went in the other direction, he'd have nothing left to do. like he genuinely looked tired, I think yeah a couple of those goals were individual amazing shots by france and and not great keeping by him.
1: The man got him, got them to the final. Yeah, you know, sure. Through yeah, those, yeah. through those penalty shootouts, what did he save? Like six penalties in two shootouts. Yeah, I mean, it's like fucking insane. his record of penalties in general is is so so good. I think it's one in three. He saved. So so to have that, you know, it's even though it's good feelings, like it's exertion. It's the it's what plays on your mind. Everything kind of comes in, it comes in together. Um, to kind of wear you down and and just make you think, oh God, is was that all of our luck almost? So yeah, he really did show the tiredness. Um, it's weird to think that maybe yeah, that was France's worst performance, but I don't think anyone could say that they didn't deserve to win the tournament.
0: No, absolutely, best team at the tournament. Um, not the most exciting team, not the best attack, but the most well balanced and yeah, absolutely deserving. Champions. Can we skip back to the penalty for one second? Cause I just remembered I was, I switched off social media completely for the final. I just wanted to like enjoy it right. disconnected. And then there was no controversy, both with the people I was watching with or with the American broadcasters about the VAR and the penalty. It was like clearly the ball moved, the hand moved downwards to the ball
1: mm-hmm.
0: interfered and it was, you know, a high, potential chance and so that's a penalty like that was 100% zero doubt in my head that that should have been a penalty they went to the VAR and I was like oh yeah good penalty good call good use and then I turn on Twitter and I and I hear a couple of podcasts and all my English friends are like oh VAR is only as good as the referee and this is an example of when VAR fails miserably and all this stuff and I was like really surprised really surprised at the different narratives that had come up around that decision because to me, that was a clear penalty. Like, the ball moved down to the hand, or other way around. The hand moved down to the ball. I don't I don't see. So can you talk about, like, the English
1: reaction to it? No, because you know in all of these things we always fucking agree, and it just makes for shit radio. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted you to say, like, oh, it shouldn't have been a penalty, because I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I didn't understand as well. Same as you, Oscar. Like, so I was working in the finals, so obviously didn't see social media and happening live, and – I, I just saw a few tweets about VAR and blah 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 and it ruining blah, blah, whatever. And so when I watched the highlights today and watched some stuff with with them going off about it so much, I, I I didn't fucking understand. Perisic jumps up with his arms like in a starfish kind of position. The ball kind of starts to come down, so he drops them to his side. And he shouldn't be nine foot in the air and having yeah, your arms he, out like that towards the ball. He moved his
0: hand very far down to hit the ball. Yeah, I, yeah. there's zero doubt in
1: my mind. I don't understand. And then, And the the, the commentator says, I think, for it, like, oh, well, the letter of the law says, like, it's got to be deliberate for a handball. It's like, that's fucking deliberate. The ball's not firing into him from all of a sudden, like, without anything. He jumps up with his arms up, pulls him down towards the ball.
0: Yeah, penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Ian, did, were you more on the side of like, that was a bad decision? Or are you with us on this?
1: No, I'm really sorry.
2: I'm 100% with you because, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the thing seemed to be that uh, people go, well, it's got to be a clear and obvious error. And it was like, well, it was to not give the penalty. <laughs> so Right, yeah.
3: It, it was, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's know. clear and obvious. If you don't give a penalty for something that is Stonewall a penalty, then that is clear and obvious. Yeah. And they should go to VAR and say, oh, that was clear and obvious, which is what they fucking did, and then gave a penalty.
2: We'll keep all this in though, because I don't think I don't agree that it's shit radio if we aggressively agree with each other.
1: You're more right, Chuck. Okay. If you think, yeah, if you think it wasn't a penalty, then fuck you. Oh, Please send you us go. an email. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. If you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there
1: we go. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Um. We won't open it. We'll just press delete right away. And thank you for wasting your time,
0: e- <laughs> Cool, so we're all agreed then. It was clear clear pen. I mean, I will say, even if it wasn't the right decision in your opinion, or if it was a borderline decision, which none, none of us seem to think so, but even if you think that, VAR still gives that referee, who yeah. whose judgment it is to make those decisions, a better look or a second look at a decision that is massively important because it's either a penalty or not in the world cup final like that goal makes a you know all of a sudden yeah if you disagree with it you
2: disagree with the referee not var
0: right i think it's still a good thing that that ref got a better look to make a better version of his own decision
1: it's why var was brought in for the tournament and it's why i think var has been great i can't think of a time has there been a time where the var thing has been shit there was one. Ah, england columbia
2: yeah, you can argue that it hasn't been used. Uh, well, I don't know what, how to explain this really, but you can argue that it hasn't been used positively in sort of situations like that where Harry Kane was obviously like wrestled to the ground. Mm-hmm. So they should have said, have another look at
1: that. Oh, no, but... I meant the headbutt. Oh, right, okay. The sorry. headbutt oh, yeah, against card. Which made no sense because oh, yeah, the way, yeah, the course, way that yeah. whole thing was, is like obviously, the player was now, I can't remember, but headbutts into Henderson's chest, then up into his head. And all the ref does is kind of press to an earpiece for a bit. So I don't know whether he was listening to the uh, to the linesman or it was the VAR ones because then he gives a yellow card. But you think maybe he wouldn't give anything because he didn't see it. So he can't give anything.
2: It'd be great yeah. to hear those interactions as well, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd it love really that. would.
0: There was a couple of times where there was yellow cards that I was like, that it should either be nothing or a red.
2: I yeah, don't yeah. understand yellow there. Yeah. Um, and
0: then there was definitely, like Ian said, a couple other times where I was like, "Why isn't VAR bringing this up? Like, this is very obviously like, yeah, dude did a WWE move on Harry Kane in the penalty it's box." It's still and up to him. the like,
1: ref. Yeah, it's still up to the ref when they when they give him that call. I think for for him to say, nope, I feel confident enough," because because that's because otherwise it then completely undermines him because then yeah, he sure. can say, you know, they can say, "Oh, it was clear and obvious." But if he then comes over and says, "Nope, this is what I saw, this is what I believe," then yeah. for him that's what clear and obvious is. and so that way, you know the traditionalists or the people that want that human error are still involved, which I can't it massively argue with, it, it, it will always involved. be involved because we are human, and that's just it. Um, they still get pleased, but people like us who you know I kind of want to see the right decision. I want to see stuff get called back, I, and, and I want more, to see
2: more correct decisions
1: were made. That's yeah, right. Um, You know, two of my favourite ones, one was uh, Davinson Sanchez against Sadio Mane uh, in the Colombia-Senegal game, the last one, where Mane's through one-on-one, Sanchez takes him out and then, you know, ref gives a penalty but then looks at the VAR and Sanchez performs one of the best tackles I've ever seen,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, last-ditch tackles. Um, And the other one, South Korea-Germany. Yeah, um, that was the other one I was going to bring up. Because I couldn't, you know, let you go for a week without remembering Oscar. That...
0: <laughs> no, but I, you know, even as a Germany fan, I was like, you know what? That's the right decision. Like, um, and the laws of the game are inherently flawed, especially with handball. Handball is like the least defined, least consistently enforced rule. Um, and so like VAR isn't going to fix that issue. It's mm-hmm. still going to be like, oh, no, bald hand or whatever, but no. like, nothing will fix that issue because it's just a fundamentally weird and unclear law mm. that gets implemented differently by everybody. But like, at least now they're getting a second look and they're getting more eyes on it because there's the five other referees in the VAR room who are debating it before they even call the other guy. Like, I don't know. It's To me, it's a good thing. So I don't want to harp on the point too much. Um... After the jump, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the World Cup in terms of big-picture stuff, like our best goal, our best player, etc. And then we'll take listener questions, and and, uh, that'll be it for this week.
1: Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, where we have been wrapping up the 2018 world cup uh it's been emotional it seems like it was only yesterday but also that it was so long ago um but i think we can pretty much all agree it was quite good wasn't it lads
0: yeah it was a bit wasn't it amazing stuff really definitely so full of exciting moments and drama which is what you have what you most you can really ask for
1: yeah just just even from the very start you know Russia 5-0 against Saudi Arabia. Uh, You had that 3-3 for Spain-Portugal. That was a good one. Um, Oh,
2: god, yeah.
1: Fuck. Um, The Mexico beating Germany result. Mexico beating Germany. Every game in that group, fucking (laughs) A. Um, Group H, everything in Group H, everything in Group D. Um, Not so much, weirdly, not so much France's group. That was kind of boring. Um, Yeah, yeah. That was a shame. Uh, Fran- but, uh, France
0: as a whole weren't and we talked about this in part 1 a little bit like I was I wanted them to be more exciting they were pretty actually pretty boring as uh, I think they actually are a perfect summary of the entire world cup for me at least is that it was pretty boring in long stretches and then very exciting in high peaks and dramatic moments
1: right um mm. because
0: I think a lot of the matches were pretty shit like, the, the overall level of play was not good at this World Cup, but they would be boring for 70 minutes, and then the last 20 would be six goals and a penalty and a red card. Like,
3: you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: But then there's just also so much narrative with all of the good teams going behind at one point and
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. People falling by the wayside, and then obviously for us, you know, from the English side of it, having something to get excited about, so it all becomes way, way more interesting.
0: Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. And like, but in a good way, in a very fascinating way. I don't, I think that it might, uh, in retrospects be considered the best World Cup because you forget the 70 minutes of boring play and mm-hmm. you just remember the 90 seconds of highlights. Um, and there was just so much of that in this World Cup, like just so many moments of narrative and drama, um, and upsets and good teams being defeated by quote-unquote lesser teams and all all that sort of like really stuff that you really hope for
1: i think oh yeah absolutely and i think it's pretty safe to say that it went against all predictions um which
2: <laughs> yeah let's say that now yeah
1: <laughs> which uh not just for us for for the media in the world as a whole yeah you but know, especially think, for us <laughs> especially for us um for those of you that haven't been listening to us for the whole time. Welcome. Uh, where have you been? <laughs> uh, What's been going on? Um, at the start of the World Cup, we made some predictions and, and uh, wrote them down. And so we we predicted across uh, many different things. We went for who we thought was going to win, the runner up, uh, who would get the golden boot, who was uh, most likely to underperform, who would be dark horses, and also which stage of the competition England. Would depart. Uh, We start from the very top. So, winner across all three of us. Do you remember who you went for? Yeah. I also went for Deutschland. Ian? You went went for Brazil, mate. I did. So, you know, technically, much better than us. Point for Ian there, I I think. A point, yeah. (laughs) Take that. Yeah, I'll give you a point for that. Um, Then, runner up. Uh, this is where Oscar kind of came closest out of all of us to getting something good. Not to do a spoiler for, <laughs> for our <laughs> own prediction, which was shit. Um, Oscar, you went for France yep, as the runner-up, so you at least predicted them getting to the final. Uh, That's quite good. And myself and Ian both went for a Germany-Brazil final, um, awarding the spots the opposite yeah. way around.
0: I will actually say the left side of my bracket... Um, from pre-tournament all the way through, other than two of the round of 16 teams, both of whom I had going out, the left side of my bracket was completely perfect. I had Belgium beating Brazil in the quarters, then losing to France in the semis. I had France and Argentina. I had Portugal and Uruguay. I, like, I crushed the left side of that bracket, but... The right side was just a train
1: wreck. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right on the
0: right side of the bracket.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely saw something. Um, not to kind of try and vindicate us a little bit, but I've, I've seen a few people say like, if anyone predicted how exactly how this World Cup knockout rounds would go, then you know absolutely nothing about football. <laughs> yeah, and it, it that's what just made it so great that it just went past all of those kind of predictions. Or, yeah, or
0: pure happened. pure chaos.
1: Pure chaos. Absolutely, absolutely can root for chaos. Um, Speaking of chaos, golden boot. Oscar.
0: (laughs) Thomas Muller, is that right?
1: Thomas Muller. How many goals did Thomas Muller get, Oscar? Zero goals. Ian, who did you go for, Ian? I went for Neymar, didn't I? Neymar. Two goals. Uh,
2: Two goals? Three goals? uh, No, I went for own goal. Pretty sure I went for own goal. You went for for own goal. And I,
1: of course, went for Harry Kane. Um, (laughs) Alexander Mitrovic. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah Did i forgot about that yeah. he scored one he man. scored uh it was at least one because i got excited yeah. at one point and they could have <laughs> gone through oh uh, he came so close so many times it pissed me off very much like the Raheem sterling of serbia
0: so another point to ian there
1: <laughs> another um, point to ian so yeah. Total oh, wow. one. Okay, I have yeah one point
0: for my france thing Yeah.
2: If I win the predictions it really does show that this (laughs) one could not have been predicted.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Now we go into underperformer. Now is you know, there's a little bit of leeway on this one. Because, you know, some of us might say that Belgium not winning the whole thing is underperforming. <laughs> um, oh. That's what me and Ian would say, and we're sticking to it. So I'm going <laughs> to give us a big tick there, Ian. That's 20 points. Oh, that's that dealt with. Lovely. Um, underperformer for Oscar, he went for Angleterre. Uh, which is the French yeah. for
2: England. Uh, well, minus a million points. Minus yes, so a billion points.
1: <laughs> Interestingly, with the next category, if you'd have just gone the opposite way round, because for Dark Horse you had Argentina! Oh, God. <laughs> um, and I definitely didn't write that the wrong way round. Uh, you went for Argentina, my Jeez. friend. I went for Peru, who, of course, <laughs> didn't fare much better and went out of the group stage. Ian? I think I went for Poland. I think you did, mate. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think they were one, one of the coke. first teams to actually be categorically out of the competition. Yep, that's yeah. correct.
0: So I yeah. get a point for that because at least my team made it
1: out of the group stage. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, <laughs> but we Good all lose of, all yeah. However, points for Belgium one, and England. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the next category, a team that did also didn't go out in the group stage, Oscar, like you predicted, was England. Yep,
0: yep. That prediction came back twice for me.
1: Shame, shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> um, and then me and Ian both went for quarterfinals.
0: Mm. Oh, not that's that's pretty close, actually.
1: So pretty close. Um, I don't. I think if any of us had had semifinals, I would have been laughed at just as much as picking Mikrovich for the Golden Boot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been that ridiculous, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was. That, why, so, did I, why did I do that, guys? <laughs> I can't remember why. That wasn't even in my throes of Lithuanian spirits. Like that was. <laughs> that was with a sober head.
0: Nah, you never. Mm-hmm. You were excited even before the World Cup kicked off. You were like, "Oh, that fever! God damn it, I'm getting excited!" I vividly <laughs> oh, so remember fever. you being angry at yourself, like five minutes into our first recording, for being too excited about this England team.
1: Yeah, I You love were it, right, though, Chuck. You were right to get excited. I had a reason to be excited. I knew what was going to happen. Southgate all the way.
0: So I think Ian won our predictions,
1: huh? Still yeah, there we, we go. I don't Are think, think we need to do scores, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Ian, there you man, go. the man who wants to sit in the corner and not comment on football <laughs> and would just like to give oh. steak recipes, knows more than us.
2: A football is officially broken. <laughs> and
1: with that, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> we're just going to end the podcast <laughs> <Red box. laughs> football isn't uh, what we thought it was <laughs> absolutely not um it's testament to how great everything was but but how about like some other other categories uh,
0: yeah let's give out some awards kind of... in retrospect now that we've seen the whole thing um i wrote down a couple of... it's much
1: easier that isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah although we could still argue about it and it's great so this is where we can make sure ian's wrong about everything <laughs> ian what was your favorite goal uh, All of them. Just love goals, me. <laughs> <Girls.
2: laughs> all of them.
0: Yeah, so I, I, we have a list of kind of awards we're going to give out. It's not that many, and we're not going to try to talk too long about each of them. But let's just start us off with best mm-hmm. player. If you were the person in charge of giving out the Golden Ball, who would you give it to, Chuck?
1: It depends what kind of category you are go for. But I'd say for sheer excitement, um, contribution to the team, and generally just being fucking entertaining. Um, I'd go for Mbappe. Uh, Yeah, Mbappe. All
0: right, yeah. I mean, I can't really disagree with that too strongly. He was fantastic. He was definitely the breakout star of the Cup because he was 19 and just was so exciting to watch. Um, For me, the best player uh, for a lot of the same reasons, but I think also for his contributions defensively and just like being so solid and and helping France. I'm going to pick a France player. Just dominate both forward and backwards. Uh, I'm going to go with Paul Pogba. I think he was the heart of that France team. Um, best game. What was your best match, Chuck?
1: It's so weird because it was also the shittest game at the same time. But England Colombia.
3: Hmm. Okay.
1: And on a personal level, England Colombia. Um, just because that feeling afterwards was unreal. Um, Ian, I'm sure you, you can agree with me on that. But. yeah,
2: it really was.
1: But yeah, it, I mean, but at the same time, the match was fucking dog shit. Like it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Like it's it's one of the worst matches, but all, but created one of the best feelings I've ever had uh, about sport. Oh, I loved watching the Croatia Argentina game. Yeah, you really did enjoy that yeah, one. Yeah, that, uh, that was good. that guy, that was. I, I don't know whether it's just because I kind of figured that Argentina would just capitulate a bit. But fuck, watching that, and that was kind of Croatia at peak as well. That was kind of their best. Performance yeah, that was their best performance of the for thing, sure. Um, where they just kind of went for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that game was phenomenal. Oscar,
0: I'm gonna go with Brazil-Belgium. I think that that was the most wide-open match. I think both teams just were like, "Fuck defense, let's just try to score, outscore each other." Um, they were the two most exciting attacks at the World Cup as much as France could have been if they had played a different way um and just that whole match the crazy craziness that Roberto Martinez pulled off with his tactics and his lineup and like us all talking shit about him before and then like
1: it really
0: really <laughs> working in the first half uh and then in the second half Brazil just throwing everything at them but being able to put those chances away unable to put those chances away
3: yeah
0: um just it was just so good like from minute 1 to minute 90 that was a very, very exciting and fun to watch match. So that's the best one for me. Best goal. What's your best goal, Chuck?
1: Um, Pavard. Yeah, the, that's that, the right that answer. France goal. Yeah, there, there have been so many good ones, and you, you can maintain. For skill wise, there are there are so many notable ones, um, like Lionel Messi's one. You just watch, and the mind still just boggles at it.
3: Yeah, the, the um, touch I saw on it again today.
1: It, a touch on the thigh, the leg goes down, the leg comes back up, The touch with the left foot to take it inch perfectly away from the defender, but not but keeping the pace on the ball, but yeah. stopping it up. Oh.
0: I haven't been oh. that excited about a touch on the thigh since I was about thirteen years old, so
1: Yeah. How was Camp <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: gonna go with the third goal for Belgium against Japan. Uh in the absolute last second of the match. Yeah. With Lukaku's run out wide and then run back in. Um just one of the best counterattacks I think I've ever seen. And I'd I really, really love a counterattack.
1: That was that was clinical and it was, you know, the last touch of the game. And and you're right, like Lukaku runs out and makes the textbook far post and near post run. Sucks the defender with him. you can see like he thinks about going for it. Yeah. And then and then just somehow just knows chadley's there leaves it and then he just taps that in and you just think but it was phenomenal and the bbc actually gave that as their goal of the tournament oh did they um yeah yeah nice but yeah so many of them are good so many but for different reasons like i like the reason i chose pavard's goal is because i like something that just comes from absolutely nowhere
3: Mm.
0: yeah i mean that's second place for me i think so that that the shot is just so absurd.
1: Yeah, like it comes about, That's his first goal for France,
0: per- and maybe his last.
1: Yeah, like he's not. A,
0: he's not particularly attacking.
1: No, no, and he just hits it so sweet. The ball flying across and just from out of nowhere. You know, it was it was the Nacho goal for Spain against Portugal two point
0: Yeah, and and like even better, which was amazing.
2: What about? I'm just having a little. I'm just having a little look at goals. Do you remember Moose's goal? Nigeria oh. versus Iceland.
1: Oh, that was filth. That yeah, I'm just having a look at that now. That was Ill. unbelievable. The ball, oh, the, it was such a nothing game as well. But like, <laughs> yeah, that's the a, ball. Yeah. The ball comes across to Musa, and he's just outside it's an the amazing six-yard ball box down
2: the left. Yeah, yeah, amazing ball down the left, like and a fifty-yard kind of ball. Picks the ball cuts. up above his head and just fucking buries it. Like Take, takes it around a goalkeeper at such speed, and then just smashes it. Yeah, I don't really remember that
0: at all. Maybe I didn't happen to watch that match
2: no i, I thought i, I watched pretty much every match but i don't remember that goal there's been so many to be fair yeah, 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 yeah. I was, while, while you were talking i was just having a little google and yeah god that, <laughs> that is a good goal.
0: that's a nice hipster pick from you i like
2: that Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Go Go on, yeah. Oh, oh i saw my first hipster in a nigeria shirt the other day <laughs> oh he was yeah. just sitting in the pub and i walked down and i thought oh you absolute dickhead <laughs> like
2: the, Weeks after they went out
1: Yeah, they sold 3 million of these and you're the first one I saw with it So was it your like, own you reflection
0: sold. in the mirror behind the bar or <laughs> some what, other what, hipster what,
1: what, or... wear, wear a <laughs> collared shirt, if you must know I look very smart, thank you very much Collared shirt, tailored shorts, what up Ooh. All right, all right. Do you still work at the zoo, Chuck? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done Fantastic, Fantastic. <laughs> bastard. Um, <laughs> so, interestingly, on the subject of goals, like we're talking about this World Cup, one hundred and sixty-nine goals scored out of sixty-four matches, so an average of two point six four goals per match. It's amazing. Um, which is two goals less than the last World Cup. Was it? Yeah. So wow. one hundred sixty-nine, one hundred seventy-one uh, huh. for Brazil.
0: Yeah, that that was uh, seven of those were in one match so i think that kind of like put it,
1: there was no oh come on don't be harsh on brazil there were eight goals
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I, so what i but that does bring me to a point that i actually would want to make which is that there were no goal no matches that felt as monumental as that one like that brazil germany 7-1 oh yeah match will go down in history as one of the best world cup matches ever Like, and it's going to stay on that list if it's not the number one on that list, just in terms of like, yeah, like nothing, nothing matched that in this World Cup.
2: No, I remember watching it and and sort of trying to explain to my wife, you don't know how crazy this is. Yeah, it (laughs) felt
0: that it 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 was was... history as it was happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely is. But if if you think of this tournament, so let's think of the most high scoring games. So 4-2 France-Croatia. We already said about that, like it wasn't really much, you know, three goals four, three, one from a set piece. Yeah, four three Argentina was kind of it still wasn't that sensational. Um five nil for the opener, well, it was Russia. Right. So people don't really think about it. Three all Spain Portugal. That was a good however, one. it was a great match, but it's the first one. And so it was a draw.
2: Eng- England Panama, modern classic.
1: Yeah, England Panama. Like <laughs> No one's really going to look at that, you know. <laughs> ah, Kane had golden boot. Yeah, meant everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Dave Stateo as well um, for predicting pre-tournament that France win and Harry Kane gets the golden boot. Like, yeah, we should uh,
0: we should get him on the pod.
2: Well, let's not be hasty. I mean, I won the predictions, so carry on.
0: What's next? Most underrated player. I'll, I'll throw in um, Pogba. I think he was the best player at this tournament. And I didn't hear him in a single conversation for the Golden Ball. I think he doesn't get enough credit mm. for France either, being like, being their springboard and being everything, being the absolute heart of that team. I haven't really heard that many people talking about that from him. So for me, I, I think he was wildly underrated for his contribution to the to the win.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd go with that as well. I think it's, it's quite difficult to predict because every every team that got really far. Um So if you look at England, there's no real standout there of someone who who's shone. Like you could, you can pick out quite a few players, but everyone's kind of in the conversation. Yeah. Although Same there with,
0: is one English player who was not valued enough for his contributions and underrated.
1: Well, yes, but he also didn't score. Yeah. Swine. But yeah, so I, so it's it's quite hard to to say who who is massively underrated. Maybe, I'd I'd probably go over there and say Pogba. Kante maybe as well because he's just yeah. always he's always underrated but now he's so underrated he's always rated if you see what I mean because <laughs> he just gets on with it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure I saw something as well that the day of the final he had like horrendous diarrhea uh, oh. <laughs> and basically had to convince Deschamps to let him play.
0: Well, they took him off at like halftime, so that might be yeah. part of why.
2: Gary Lineker shit himself on the pitch. If Kante
1: yeah. didn't want it enough, it's his problem. <laughs> True story. And then, and then went around like a dog, shuffling the Shuffling it arse. like he's got worms. Or something.
3: Oh my God. I'll oh. just sneak
1: this out. No one will notice. No one will notice. Oh, wait. England playing white. Of course they fucking will. Oh,
0: God. This, this took a turn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: Gaz has lost his head Yeah well you've lost your arsehole mate <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright What about the other side? Not things that were good But things that were bad What was your most disappointing player? Who did you want more out of?
1: Um, Sterling
2: Okay wow You're turning on the official player of the podcast
1: But yeah I did kind of want to see See more and it it was, mu- it was Kind of from just the unequivocal Being able to just Shut the critics up And all those idiots, because I've, because goals is the only way he can contribute. Um, not playing within a system and playing, playing it masterfully and making defenders absolutely terrified. Um, I would have just liked to see more in that way. On the, on the kind of other end of the scale, let's say the kind of superstar scale, um, Neymar. Mm, I think Neymar out of every person at this tournament did himself no fucking favours. Yeah, um, and as if anything is just inspired criticism, ridicule, um, infamy from from everywhere. You know the fact that there's you see videos of kids like fifty kids running up the pitch with football, and a coach just shouts Neymar, and they all just drop to the floor and start rolling. Like you don't you don't want that.
0: Yeah, I think his stock and his esteem in the football community has dropped significantly. If he was in the conversation for being the successor to Messi and Ronaldo, leading coming into this World Cup, I think he leaves it being at best even with Eden Hazard, if not like way 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 lower. No, like I think he did himself very much a disservice at, with his performance at this World Cup.
1: I'd go on phil I'd say I'd say he's bit below Hazard. No, But that's it. Because if that's if that's going to be the side to your game. Uh, and that's going to be what you want to do and what you want to make. You know, it's it's kind of in the same way that Ronaldinho's career was kind of blighted by, like, all the craziness and reluctance to train and parties and whatever kind of rumors or whatever. Yeah. Um, Neymar would just be the same. The fact that he just couldn't, you know, he starts off the World Cup as a stupid haircut and ends it as a stupid idiot rolling around the pitch. Like, well done, mate.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I don't disagree with you in any way whatsoever. Um, On a personal level, for me, I'd go with Tony Cruz. Uh I think mm. he was very much one of the two most culpable people in Germany's disappointing World Cup run, and he just looked like he could not be fucked to defend. He would just counterattack after counterattack, he would just watch it go by and just be like, oh, yeah. oh, oh well. And he was just like, I was so mad at him. And he sh- should be the single best player on that Germany team. Like, he yeah. has... The way he plays for Real Madrid, if you look at... I mean, this is such a stupid way to look at it, but, like, if you look at their FIFA ratings, his is the highest, he's the only one in the 90s range. Like, he really should be the leader of that team, Um, and his attitude of, like, I could not give any less fucks about this situation and about us getting beat right now, he just wanted to, like, play a few tricks and flicks, and so, you know, despite that amazing free kick, like, he was... Reason number one of Germany's performance for me, and and he's so much better than that. So that was very disappointing.
1: Yeah, but I couldn't even, uh, not to make you feel bad intentionally this time, Oscar, but I'd genuinely almost forgotten about Germany at this tournament. Yeah, no,
2: I mean,
1: you're Um, not wrong.
2: I bet if I, just to interrupt, I mean, if I was going to pick a Germany midfielder who really disappointed, I'd pick Manuel Neuer.
1: uh yeah i will give you that i tell you what sorry i I wrote that down about five minutes ago so
0: (laughs) (laughs) no by all you
1: say five minutes ago you wrote that down five weeks ago and have been waiting to get this in (laughs) yeah before Um, the world cup even started really 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 weird (laughs) hey he won he was good at predictions let's face it oscar um (laughs) yeah yeah that moment oh my god it was so good um it, just the fact that it's still like it was prefaced by a commentator saying, well, Manuel Neuer, <laughs> he can play in midfield. He's yeah. he's renowned for being quite good with the ball at his feet. <laughs> that was one of their moments where it was that just was delightful.
0: Yeah.
1: Oscar, you don't sound too enthused.
0: No, I mean, it was fucking hilarious. Like, I'm not going to pretend <laughs> that it wasn't. Um,
1: I'm trying not to get
0: defensive and be like, oh, but really, like he... It's actually pretty good.
1: Like, I'm not going to... Like, whatever. We, no, no, yeah, no. We all know Don't get me wrong. Manuel Neuer, yeah. one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But Ian said it. He's a shit midfielder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: that um, was such a good moment.
0: Yeah, just pure desperation and madness at the end there. Just, just such a sad way to go out. Pathetic. Like, genuinely pathetic.
1: Yeah, uh, I felt really bad for South Korea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although, weirdly enough, I wouldn't pick Germany as my most disappointing team. Um, I would actually go with Spain, because yeah, they just looked. They were they they. I was so fucking mad when they got knocked out, because they went back to old Spain and they should be better than that. And just like Mm. they were they when they got drawn on that corner of the bracket, they must have assumed they were going to make the final.
1: Yeah, right. Like yeah, but you can't you can't fault the the fact that. (laughs) In true mental fashion, um, they decide to fire Lepeteguet two days before the tournament starts. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I can understand why the first game in, I can't remember the guy's name. now. It's not even worked because he's the the guy who took over for the tournament for Spain. Had already straight away declared himself like, no, I don't want the job. (laughs) So like, he didn't want the (laughs) job anyway. He wasn't put in. I think he was the under-23s coach or something like that. So you know they've they've already been preparing for the first game, which is Spain, Portugal, so you can see there. But then after that, you've got a guy who hasn't ever worked with these this squad of players and has got what four four days to prep them with a game, albeit against like Morocco or Iran, but these are teams that have been preparing for weeks, months um of how to defend and and how to stop them, yeah. so it didn't really surprise me that much that Spain that Spain looks so shit but you, you you, like to think like players with that quality Um, just to finish the point like you'd like to think that players with that quality who have won tournaments together who have done great things and played together for so fucking long can just buck up their fucking ideas and go oh no you know what we are just going to bury Russia right now as opposed to sitting back yeah. and trying to score the perfect fucking goal right. as opposed to just going right let's just score 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 done
0: yeah I mean that's what I was going to say I was just really really excited For the first sort of post-Barcelona Spain team, if you know what I mean. Like post-Tiki Taka, post like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team. This was supposed to be the first Spain team that played like more direct football, a different style, more efficient, more ruthless. And then they just showed up and did the worst impersonation of Tiki Taka that they could. That was super disappointing for me.
1: It takes a lot for me to feel sorry for Diego Costa. And I felt sorry for Diego Costa in that thing. <laughs> because he was doing absolutely nothing wrong. He was the one who was in that spot, who was who was always up there. He was nicking goals in games, and they were just bringing him off at sixty minutes to then revert back to this. I'm going to say it again, shitty Tucker. I, co- yeah. I coined yeah. it. I can say it like, and that's and that's what it was. And so you know, I felt bad for him. And he, he did absolutely nothing wrong in the same kind of way as when like Sterling was being brought up in games for Rashford, because it then meant England were kind of toothless. When Costa came off to Spain, they looked like they had nothing. Nothing. Absolutely Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so that kind of wraps up our our little honourable mentions to various games' uh, performances. Um, Ian, have we had had any listener questions uh, this week?
2: Yeah, we have indeed. So, um, Johnny OG got in touch on the Twitters and uh, said... He excludes me from this question for some reason, but says if there was one player at the World Cup that your team could realistically buy, who would that be? I know you guys talked about who had sort of played themselves into a transfer, but who uh, who would uh, Chuck Hubie in Palace and uh, Oscar being Chelsea? Do you think uh, there's anyone who's particularly put themselves in the shop window for your
1: teams? I mean, I think it's a bit unfair comparing all of our three teams. Since, yeah, the budgets you know, are pretty Peterborough, wildly different. Peterborough are selling club, Palace have no money, and Chelsea just have everything but are pretending they don't.
2: Peterborough are selling and buying club, to be fair. I think we've bought a whole new First eleven for this new <laughs> season.
1: I think some of the Saudi Arabian defenders
0: are available for Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Oscar. Cheers. Yeah. We'll
1: take them. We'll take them. Yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> Oscar is there anyone that stood out. Uh, for Chelsea, that you'd like, you'd like Chelsea to go ahead and get.
0: Uh,
2: apologies if
0: you guys hear some scraping and banging. There's some work being done on the outside of the house right now, which is pretty terrible timing, but it is what it is. Um, Oscar's
1: actually terrified. There's men breaking into his house right now, um, <laughs> but he's so committed to the podcast, guys, he won't stop recording. <laughs> and so while we share Oscar's final moments,
0: um... <laughs> uh, so to answer your question, though, I would say Douglas Costa. Um, what he brought in the limited minutes that he had for Brazil, um, and especially when he played in place of Willian and how much better he was than Willian.
2: (laughs) 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 No, take my wife, not me. Uh, What he
0: brought when he came in for Willian and in place of Willian just showed to me how much Chelsea are lacking a dangerous uh, option on the right wing that can penetrate and move the ball as much as Hazard does. Um, And so, you know, that is a perfect example of someone right there who I think could be reasonably valued in the market and not be overly expensive. Like, you know, I I would want to say Kylian Mbappe for bringing the ball up the right wing, but he's going to cost 200 million pounds whenever he moves. So, like, probably Chelsea don't want to break the bank for that. Um, But Douglas Costa, I think, is clearly better than Willian and would take a lot of the pressure off of Hazard the way he took pressure off of Neymar when he was in the lineup for Brazil. Um, So that's who I would look at. What about you for Palace, Chuck? Yeah, Um,
1: yeah, it's tough um, to know with the the limited budget. And Hodgson coming out this week and saying basically that we have no money and survival is the goal for this season. Um Even oh, though, really? the, yeah, even though the last three years at the end of the season, the chairman's gone kind of, oh no, we want to keep moving forward, blah blah blah, and it's you know at the end of last year he blamed the start of the season on him um for making poor decisions and not backing them and whatever. But anyway, enough about Palace. Because I <laughs> don't just, want to talk about Palace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just be happy for the season. I like football.
2: <laughs> Come on, football. Okay, so we got another one from uh, Mike Swiffen. Uh, so, what was your favourite World Cup moment that was not necessarily part of a match? As in in the crowd, punditry, anything like that?
0: I suspect that Chuck's going to have the same answer as me for this one, but um, <laughs> Diego Maradona's coked-out antics on the sideline. <laughs> but he, but he starts looking up at this guy like he's possessed by some sort of demon, and then he's flipping oh people God.
1: off like ten minutes later. <laughs> Fantastic. He's, he's flipping off like the Nigerian um yeah. like dignitaries and stuff like that there. there. Yeah. Like he's a, like I'm sure that's what it is. Like whether it's him kind of praying up to the heavens and chewing his face off, dancing with with ladies that are there during the Nigeria game. Then he fell asleep like ten
0: minutes later.
1: Fell asleep, um supposedly, I really think yeah. he did, handing off bags of drugs to people in the crowd. Um yeah. Getting taken in by, like, ambulance people at the end of one of the games. He's, he's carried at. it on
2: as well, hasn't he? He's, a, he's arrived at his new club in a tank. What?
0: Have
1: you, seen, have you not seen that? What? No, yeah.
0: Okay.
2: Oh my
1: God, so you got to like, send that out. Hold on, I don't know what's more ridiculous, the fact that he has a new club or the fact that he rolled up in a tank.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Dynamo Breast, is that right? Of I mean, course, uh, of course he going for Dynamite right. Breasts. It's very possible I've been taken in by a spoof website. <laughs> yeah, this sounds big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, it's, well, it's all not
1: added up now, I think about it. But yeah, <laughs> no, roll, rolls up in a tank
2: to his new club. That's amazing.
1: Of course. But yeah, and then and then he went to supporting Colombia for the England game. Uh, he, he,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> Talk about people who've made fools of themselves at the World Cup.
1: Oh, yeah. Jeez. Like, it was kind of a favourite moment. At first, but then it, it got very sad very quickly.
0: Yeah. Wow. Way to, way to bring it down,
2: Joe. <laughs> I'm not going to include that. Let's just We'll just leave it laughing at a coked-up maniac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I might cut it if it turns out this tank thing
1: isn't true. You've got
0: to leave <laughs> that in. You have to leave that in.
1: i'll no, no, leave it in. <laughs> um... I did like, in particular, I liked some of the commentary. Um, Ali McCoy was a, was a massive favourite for me on the ITV. Yeah, he was good. And yeah. He was great because, like, it was almost like they were deliberately, um, the way they were doing it was deliberately to be super cheesy. So, Oscar, you probably wouldn't have seen these streams at all. But, you know, when there, when there's a lull in the game, like, someone would just turn to Ali McCoy and go, so, Ali, you've been spending a lot of time in Sochi. How have, how have you been finding it? Well, you know, in 1724, and we're just like, go over and like, <laughs> this real bit and properly go into the history, but like, shamelessly, like, not like pretending. Yeah. Like to be actually informative, but saying like, "Oh, I've been loving this restaurant, and uh, I've been having the national dish, which is this. It was cooked for me by Svetlana, and she had it, and and we had this, and had many mornings, and I enjoyed it, and ah, that was so good." And just we didn't have
0: anybody that entertaining on our commentary. It's so bad.
2: I've got a few, but like I haven't got any details. That's why I've got a few, but they were just little things that added color to the World Cup. So. So apparently, when Mexico scored their goal against uh, Germany in the group stages, uh, Mexican seismologists registered a four point two percent, no four point two on the Richter scale earthquake, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which wow, uh, yeah, which is like substantial. But I, I don't know, whether... like I say, I've got very little details, so I'll move on to the next one. Next one was a Peru fan who was so desperate for tickets to the World Cup uh, to the World Cup group stage matches that. <laughs> he thought his best way to get guaranteed tickets was to get a disability <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a disability seat. And the best way he could do that was to put, try and put on 24 kilos. Jesus which, Christ. Like, over, over three stones so he could get one of the extra wide seats. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's I don't know a millequally type... just eat, I don't <laughs> know,
1: croissants? For our American for 90... fans, 20, 24 kilos is like... 56 pounds. It, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> Like, like, it's a substantial amount of weight. Yeah.
2: Oh, I don't know if he was successful or not. And the other thing is the, the massive increase in uh, waistcoat sales that M&S had. Uh, apparently, even in Moscow M&S, they sold out of
1: waistcoats. I find more astounding... Wait, there's an M&S in Moscow? Apparently so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's with the waistcoat thing? I don't get that. Different kind of marks. Um, see what I did there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Gar- it must be from Gareth Southgate. Communism. <laughs> it must be from Gareth Southgate. Like, everyone everyone was going for, like, yeah. Waistcoat Wednesday over did here. You, did, like you not get that, did you not get that
2: fashion memo, Oscar? <laughs> that waistcoats are now the thing? Waistcoats no. are in. We don't really
0: take yeah, our fashion tips from the Brits very often.
1: Alright, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just for clarity right now, Oscar is wearing a wife beater with Hakuna Matata on the front.
2: Hey, it's, it's summertime over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. We actually get heat. Show us that, Oscar. I'll take a picture for the Twitter.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn it! you really are. I like that you don't do control, print, screen. <laughs> no,
2: fuck it. <laughs> I'm analog all the way. Hey, he's old. He doesn't
1: it. understand technology, right?
2: It's a, oh, wow. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's taken seven episodes for the old gags to come in. Yeah, okay. well, I
0: can't just harp on the hipster thing with Chuck, you know? I gotta get a couple of digs into you, too. While we're on Crazy Stories, I did also still love the uh, the jerseys thing with Korea. <laughs> like, that they switched jerseys oh, at yeah, practice. The,
1: the, the Swedish spies. Oh, mm-hmm. I forgot yeah, about they, that. They yeah. like,
0: bought a house next to the practice.
1: High-powered telescopes.
0: They won the group, though, so that makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And uh, my question section wouldn't be complete without uh, Dave Mateo.
1: So, hey um, Dave, didn't appear last week. I was uh, very upset. No, so all yeah, your sort of shit out, Dave. This better be a come. good one. Okay,
2: no so. pressure. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave this to you. Decide whether this is a good one. Why do I keep having a dream where Stimmers is my professor teaching me to code player interactions and heat mapping? Now, <laughs> I took the I took I, I I took the liberty of doing a little bit of dream analysis on this. So, um. Dave's, what does it Dave's... mean if Ian
0: Stimson
1: appears in your dreams?
2: He appears in mine like every night. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. Um, you're only human, Oscar. Um, so the thing is, so this could mean that Dave's got a problem with authority. If you're dreaming about teachers, it can mean that Dave's got a pr- real problem with authority. It depends on our interactions during the dream. Um, also,
1: were they sexual in nature, Dave?
2: Well, this is the this is the next thing could I'm going to come back to. Can
1: we get Dave on the line? We, we should. We should Skype <laughs> Dave in. Uh, but the thing is,
2: because I'm insanely arrogant, I'm assuming that Dave is having sex with me during this dream. I mean, it's uh, that is just something I assume. And if he's having sex with me in this dream, then that means that because I'm a teacher in this dream, apparently, and this is legit, unlike the dream analysis website that I googled and was the first hit. So <laughs> apparently that... <laughs>
1: You Apparently were feeling that. lucky, is that what you're saying? <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly, yeah. Apparently that means that Dave would like, needs to learn more about sex. There
1: uh-huh. you go. There you go. And maybe that's what the heat mapping uh, teaching exactly. is, is about. Yeah. It's about like yeah. which bits to rub. You know? Yeah, it was all around the center <laughs> circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, don't, I got nothing <laughs> for that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. Dave, you should go talk to a therapist, I think, is the takeaway from this.
1: Yeah, I think just but just know that we like it's it's a safe place, Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: If we could work that into every episode,
1: that would be great. Just like, like it's what, a safe space. Who ha- who's having dreams about Ian or <laughs> <laughs> yeah?
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that that's it for um, questions this week. But uh, there's a few things I want I wanted to do a bit of admin uh, with you guys. So uh, our predictions went really well. I mean, it obviously went very badly if I won. But we were thinking about doing some sort of game that involves our listeners during uh, the actual football season when it starts, the Premier League football season. And um, so we wanted to see whether people were interested in like a Super 6 or something like that. So let us know if you're interested in that and we can start up a little Just For Fun league. Um, I also run a uh, FPL cash league uh, which people can enter. I do a £10 entry and the whole pot gets paid out to everyone. We add uh 23 players last year when i ran that and um also i didn't tell you guys but i've also attached the miles offside pod at gmail.com uh email address to my paypal account so people can paypal the 10 pounds <laughs> and that will go into my paypal account uh, but i'm fully trustworthy and it won't go into buying nigerian shirts i promise you um but if you've got any questions or any comments um we as you as we've said we Trying to sort of pivot to other things as as well as football, although we will be doing Premier League, Champions League. As I think Oscar's said in the past, uh, if you've got any questions or comments that pivot to other things, that would be good. You can get us on uh, Miles Offside Pod on Twitter and Facebook, and if you've got anything longer, milesoffsidepod at gmail.com or if you just want
1: to PayPal me money. Well, um... no, if you can't get your thoughts into two hundred eighty characters, like you're waffling, those. And this is <laughs> this is this is from the people that can't get a podcast under an hour and a half <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah.
0: and that's after a massive amount of editing
1: Sorry, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you don't realize like we actually record these things seven weeks in the past and our world cup predictions are just that <laughs> fucking good
2: yeah we predicted there was going to be a world cup
1: yep <laughs> correct there might be one in four years well, four and a half years now. Oh yeah. To, oh, yeah. Oh jeez, yeah. I have so many thoughts on that. We'll save that for a different day, though. It's like November 22nd yeah. to December 18th. Well, we've got, like, Premier League starts in, like, 23 days. Uh, the the European Nations League is this new thing that no one fucking understands. Yeah, I didn't um, even know that
0: was a thing until, like, oh, a week ago.
1: Dude, dude, like, we don't have time. Like yeah. Seriously, we don't have time right now to talk about that. We, like, we will we'll definitely, definitely talk, talk about it next that. week.
2: In, in pre-season, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I've um,
1: spent about two days trying to figure out how it works and I'm still not there.
2: But as a little primer for something something other than football, because I listened back to a few of our episodes and I thought something that was possibly a, a, a vein for some content would be the, uh, the possible cultural differences. We're a transatlantic podcast and mm, I like that. I like that. And uh, something I was listening back to was uh, when oscar sort of went which is a perfectly valid thing was like do, do you guys have kit kat and like, to, <laughs> to me and chuck that was just like yeah of course we have kit kat but that's a totally valid thing i've never been to america i know chuck you have but like there are just there are a lot of cultural differences and i like the idea that we can uh if, if anyone like would like to ask about any anything either americans would like to ask about any really weird British things, or vice versa, we can answer those things, and I quite I quite like that. So if yeah. you've got anything like that, bring it in. Yeah, so
0: like, for example, little known fact, Americans wear their underwear on the outside. <laughs>
2: well, there you go. It's more hygienic. We've yeah, all seen it's, Superman, it's... mate. We've <laughs> all seen
1: Superman. That's where we got it from. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you want to ask us about, you know, the weird British stuff, like, uh, I don't know, like Marmite and Black pudding. <laughs> Um, both, oh. which are great. So well,
2: you're on. wrong there, but carry on.
1: Uh, uh, what? You don't like Black Pudding?
2: I love Black Pudding. I uh. hate Marmite.
1: Uh, okay, well, one out of two. They're both gross. <laughs> so. or oh,
2: and we were looking for disagreements. And there we there
1: go. <laughs> um, oh, I will
0: throw out a call for some reviews from our American listeners on iTunes, please. We are five-star rated and easy to find on the UK and uh international itunes but in america we only have like two or three reviews so we're not quite showing up on the right lists just yet so if you are an american listener take the 30 seconds tell us like what's your favorite way to eat a steak or if you wear your underwear on the inside (laughs) or the outside whatever you want to throw in there 30 (laughs) seconds a couple of stars five stars hopefully and that would be really great we would super duper duper appreciate that so
2: yeah, so I think that's uh, that's all the admin. If you can see your way to doing us a review, we would really appreciate it. We're a new podcast and it really helps. So but thanks for all those that have reviewed so far. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and please like follow us on Twitter, send it you know, whether it's uh, the podcast itself at Mars Offside Pod, um, whether it's me at Chuck underscore Bailey underscore um, Oscar.
0: At Footy from Afar, F O O T I E.
1: Uh, or Ian.
2: At Ian Stimson, S T I M S O N, no P, really annoys me, no P.
1: <laughs> they sell pills for that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so please, please get in touch. Uh, oh, the World Cup's gone.
3: The uh... World Cup's
1: gone. It's been emotional. It's been it's great. Been, it's been great to, to talk through it and um, have you guys come on board with us. Um, I remember like six and a half of the seven episodes, so. you guys are kind of one up on me Um, so that's that's it from us for this week Uh, say bye Ian bye bye Oscar Oscar (laughs) and it's bye from me take care guys bye bye